So living in, you know, a quote unquote Navy town, there's a ton of vernacular that no one ever understands if you are a, a civilian. Here we are today with Paul Robinson, the executive director of RISE, and someone could probably come up with a ton of different acronyms for what RISE is. Uh, it, did you come? Is, is there one in there? I don't even know that answer. Is there? There isn't. No, that was my first executive decision. No acronyms, even though <laughs> everyone thinks it's an acronym because the first letter is R and we're all about resilience. So no acronym. No. Oh, man, what a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that's the first question. There you go. So, oh, I, I, I got nothing else. We're done. Show's <laughs> over. <laughs> 50 seconds. It's a new record. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Paul. Sure. Well, thank, thank you for the invitation. Glad to do it. Did you come yeah. up with the name then at all? Did someone else come up? Yeah, with how, how yeah. Thing going? It, well, so um, the, the the story behind this uh, the, the, this whole process was um, Rise was born out of a grant. Well, even before that, so Hurricane Sandy, as everyone knows, was a major hurricane event that um, that left in its pathway a lot of damage to a lot of major. Um, uh, metropolitan centers and after that the uh, uh the government uh through hud put up a large amount of money it was a, i think it was about a billion dollars as part of a competition the so-called ndrc national disaster resilience competition for states to propose uh areas that they wanted to protect that needed protection uh a resilience type protection protection from flooding from the rain from the uh uh from uh, the, the ocean, from rivers, that sort of thing. And um, uh, long story short, the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia uh, won the third largest grant behind New York and uh, New Orleans of $120 million. And it was the only project that was fully funded. The others were um, funding to go to other projects. In that uh, proposal, it was also unusual in that uh, what was also proposed was this idea of instead of spending 120 million dollars on traditional resilience infrastructure like pumps and pipes and berms and that sort of thing uh there was some some money five million was put aside for something that they called the coastal resilience laboratory and accelerator center which became rise and the idea behind it was to um uh develop some new ideas instead of the the traditional resilience infrastructure is, is expensive and takes a long time to put in maybe there are there are things that can be done quicker maybe things that can be done more effectively um maybe uh cheaper you name it but if this was a way to to use our local areas threats in terms of the flooding environment of the coastal community and come up with some new ideas some new innovations diversify the economy, grow some small businesses. And so um, as I started up Rise in 2017, uh, we had to uh, figure out how we were going to do that. And one of the first things was uh, to get to the answer to this question was, uh, what are we going to call it? Didn't want another acronym. Didn't want to call it the Center for Resilience and the Laboratory Acceleration Center or whatever that was. So it became Rise. Got it. And that was so that was 2017. 2018 yeah. is when you kicked everything off. What uh, so talk to us about the 
the types of businesses that you're you know, that you're looking for, how many businesses are you working with at any given time, and what that process looks like. So um, I'll, I'll sort of circle around this to give a little bit of background of, of, of how we um, how we developed our process. So uh, my I, I'm an aerospace engineer by background, and uh, my prior company uh, commercialized some technologies for the aviation sector in, in the in, in aviation safety so i came i came out in, uh, in, in the, the mid 2010s 2015 thereabouts um with some experience of uh commercializing technology how to develop that technology and how to sell it and uh, who customers were all that sort of thing and uh to a a successful conclusion so i come to that with understanding what a small business needs in when they are developing new ideas and new technologies and what their uh what what the really rough spots are and where they need help and uh um the best way to or the, the best way to get through what is often called the chasm which is where you've got a good idea you've done a little bit of research but you have to get to the next paying customer so i i came to the the whole process with that kind of a background um, so we had to figure out using uh, government money, how do you build something that helps companies grow, um, uh, demonstrate their capabilities, demonstrate their solution and go on to uh, other uh, and larger markets. And we we came upon, we, we teamed up with an organization out of MIT called Solve and they they were building a challenge program and the idea of a challenge is um, that you don't propose solutions, you propose the problems. And one of the things that uh, our region is very good at, the cities are really good at, they know what their problems are. They know where the flooding is. They kind of know why it floods for the most part. They know what some of the other problems are in terms of uh, um, uh, affecting utilities and buildings and people and that sort of thing. But they don't know what the, uh, what the solutions are. So. Through the challenge process, uh, we built up the program that we could source the um, the problems that our local community had, along with some pretty significant data to back it up that we could post out there and say, look, these are the problems. We want you to solve them. Tell us how you're going to solve them, as well as tell us what your business model is and what your business plan is. Because we need to know if we're going to give you money, this money has to, it, it's not an R&D project where you just do it and, and move on. We want to know um, how you're going to grow the business. And, and so we built that. It, so it's, it's sourcing the problem. It, it, I mean, it's identifying the problem. It's sourcing it out to the community, getting their submissions. And then we go, once we get that, we select them and then we go on to another few steps in the process. And they don't necessarily need to be Virginia based companies, correct? No. In fact, uh, we're at about 20% of our companies are Virginia based, which I think is pretty good. Um, we're up to about 30 companies now. I say about because we are just, we just closed two more challenges where we've added companies uh, and we're right in the process of putting out the contract. So uh, these, these numbers are, they're, they're about right, but we just we're just growing in that in that way. I think something that's interesting is, and I learned this. Obviously, I don't start Norfolk, um, and Tim's been a part of Start Peninsula for yeah. I don't know, 10, 
10 times now, Tim, I don't even know mm-hmm. how many it's been. Yeah. I did five and, and, and usually it's, hi, I'm a company. Here's a problem, I think. And here's my solution to the thing. And then at some point I learned of this thing, maybe 2014 timeframe where there are big businesses that were having big problems and big business can also be a big city, I would assume. And they were doing this thing called reverse pitch where they would get really smart people in the room and they would say, hey, here's our problem. We'd like to help you in some sort of way. If you can figure out the solution, now build it. And it sounds that's kind of like what the MIT challenge is in this world where it's like, here, here's this big problem. Why don't you guys fix it? We'll fund it. If it, if, if it makes sense, it, it, am I yeah, out of it, bounds there? Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it actually goes back all the way. The challenges started um, with the art. Well, one of the earliest, most famous one was the Ortig challenge that Charles Lindbergh won 25 grand nonstop us to Paris. Okay. And there's, there were quite a few people that, didn't make it literally, um, but so he won it. He won twenty five thousand. So the idea is you throw the problem out there, and that's the sort of challenge idea. MIT was built, helped us with uh, awareness and, and helped us getting it together. But we also we our partnership with MIT was to build the, their their and our resilience challenge piece. So it's it this this model has w- worked really well, also because our local cities are really really helpful in allowing the companies through us access to their infrastructure and it's uncommon in in other in other places it's done it's done in other cities but the the level because we're a smaller community um we can get access to to the cities and the cities uh, open their doors to us it's really hard for a new company to show up in let's say New York or Boston and say, I got a really good idea. Can I get access to your storm drains? I, re- I remember some of just over the years, the number one thing that I think people uh, talk about being as an issue is, oh, I need capital. Oh, I need a teammate, something like that. Actually, I, I think it's access, access mm-hmm. to the thing, right? And I remember when yeah. all of these other programs had started and you got these big businesses associated with it, but I'd come in and be like, hey, I appreciate that you're supporting. But when that company needs your access are you going to give it to them or are you just going to you know quote unquote support yeah and honestly what i found is that a lot of these uh these companies weren't willing to give that access and 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 it was interesting i believe um uh the sony founder tim what's his name um or you know it was um gary warren from ivy watch who mm. said this actually gary warren uh, at, at uh i think my last day of the startup community address said we need more access to this stuff if if i can go to the cleveland clinic or the mayo clinic and they're giving me all this access and i can't get it here like that's a problem i should be able to do that and so it's great to hear that the cities are opening you know their their treasure chest of of access because you know you want these companies to survive you want these companies to thrive and it's like let it give us access to this thing it it's huge and and it it came from uh a lesson I learned in my previous aerospace life where um, when we were developing our technologies, we had the opportunity to take it, take them to an airline. And those were guys who um, they, they were flying airplanes and flying passengers. They were operating. They had no time to, uh, uh, to sort of dabble in certain things. So we brought the technologies there and the feedback we got was what took the, technology out of the sort of the R&D sector and made it real. And we identified uh, value propositions that we had never 
considered before, but that's what made it successful. Uh, it's the operational piece, and that's what we trans translated. We really pushed hard to translate that to the cities. So we got access to the stormwater department, to the resilience office, to the GIS department. That is so important. That's what makes these things real. What? Uh, so the companies that you're working with, is this uh, pre-COVID, is this, was this a, a virtual type of uh, accelerator program or did they, did the companies come and, and did they do this in person? Uh, how was that yeah. set up? Well, so, so let me just address the accelerator piece. So after we've selected the company, um, we provide them obviously with money and, our, and the monies are, are either in the form of, of a grant or what we, what we, we call a revenue-based loan, which means we, we get paid back when the company gets to revenue, mm -hmm. which was another thing I could not get to with my own company before, but I would have killed for it. Sure. So, so our, our, some mixture of the two. But we also, if, if the companies needed some help in identifying their uh, minimal viable product or their customers or, or, or the, the market or whatever, we, we help them get that. And, and if we, we do it through 757 Accelerate or ICOR or Open Seas or you know, organizations like that. So we broker it out. We don't do that acceleration. And then we, we let the company go. They, they, have to, they have to demonstrate their product in this region. So they, in the past, pre-COVID, they, they were coming here to set up and run their projects. Um, and even now, now they're starting to do more and more of that now that uh, the, the pandemic's uh, uh, changing a little bit. But they have to be here. And, and uh, we do, we do encourage them strongly to set up a presence here to hire local companies local people and we do as much of that as we possibly can it's not always realistic for a company to pick up from uh let's say seattle to come here for a couple of hundred thousand dollars we're, we're offering between 200 and 300 thousand dollars typically that's not going to get a whole company to get up and relocate but um, we, we offer them space here and we, we get them involved with the local community as much as we can. And during the selection process, do they have to have a, an MVP uh, or do they have to have a customer? What's the determining factor uh, for them to be accepted? So uh, what we do is we take their submissions with the, work, uh, with the, um, the business plan and their work plan and uh, their technical solution and it goes in front of a panel of five judges and we assess them for the strength of their of the team you know all, all the standard stuff mm -hmm. the team innovation their their work plan their their market analysis and if they need help with the with the market stuff we can say okay we're we don't give them one big check okay we can say milestone. okay milestone we'll, we'll, yeah yeah ab absolutely and we'll, we'll see we can we'll allocate to you two hundred thousand dollars but the first twenty thousand dollars you have to Go through uh, 757 Accelerate. You have to uh, customer discovery, etc. And when you've done that, and you've done your and you've written up your market analysis and redone your financials based on that, see where you are right now, and then it, you can go on to the next phase. A couple of times we stopped it at phase one. It just has not worked out, and mm. and I see I see that as a success. Sure, know, I, would agree. I would agree. Of, of the process. When I was doing um, hatch classes cohorts, I. I say I wish I don't like to wish anything, but I, had I done things differently, I think I would have done milestone based because yeah, you you yeah. do learn those things. I remember we had written a check to a company that literally every everything on the checklist went through, and it was like this is going to be perfect, and then hit one roadblock, and they were like, "I quit," and I'm like, "We're out all that cash. 
Yeah. And, and this is uh, Bonanza's. You said your company couldn't get to money when you were a founder of a company before. I'm yeah. interested in um, just how that is brought to the table and in, in what you're working with with these companies, because it, a lot of times people are like follow this process. Right. And you do all this, this, this paperwork or you do all that stuff. And at the end of the day, it doesn't actually lead to money. And it sounds like that was yes. a problem that you did. Where Where's the correlation of those two things so that this thing that was such a challenge for you and a challenge for a lot of businesses can actually see success? So um, so not, not to dwell on, on, on my prior experience, which was, you know, the, the school of hard knocks, but it is for everyone in the, the technology or the, the, uh, the development business. You, you, you learn from, uh, from experience, but... Um, it really turned out that the company that and we ended up concluding a deal with was not the one that I was out there pitching to. And it was, it was someone sort of in, interim. It was a, um, a, an organization who had the customers that I was out there pitching to. So it, it, and when I look back at it, when we started talking, it made so much more sense to everyone for, for them to absorb our capability uh, to then go out to the broader aviation community. And I see that in the same sense as um, uh, many of our, many of our companies now is they may be out there pitching to the municipalities. And in many cases that makes sense, but in some other ways it, it makes sense to pitch to the um architectural and engineering companies that already have contracts with the municipalities that then maybe uh, it expands their capabilities to make them more attractive. But in the end, it still gets uh, paying customers for the, uh, the technology. So that's part of the assistance that we, we give the companies if they're not sure or if they think their best way of, of making a lot of money and attracting investment is to go through the municipal procurement cycle, which can be very slow and burdensome um, for a small company, uh, then we organizations like 757 Accelerate or ICAP or th these types of organizations can help them think through, well, maybe there's another group of people that I need to partner with or form a strategic alliance with. Just to piggyback that real quick, that can be for investors, your founders, uh, so many other things as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. And so that that mindset, you know, don't just go after the thing that might make sense or or, or could be yeah. making sense. You know, I, I think uh, uh, so many people are just like, oh, I'll, I'll work with that person because he has a skill set that I want or he has the check that I want where it's like, can they really move the needle the way that you need it to? So I, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Tim. Yeah, I, I think that I mean, I right now, this is such a time where the market is totally coming towards you. I mean, yeah. climate is, it's a big, big thing right now. Hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. I think I just heard earlier this week that a billion dollars of venture money is now uh, going into climate. Um, how, how has that affected you? Is, I mean, because truly the market's coming towards you. Are, are you picking up a lot of steam right now? Are you still in the early stages of that? You know, yeah. how, how so, has that gone for you? So it's a good question. A couple of things is what we're seeing this in a couple of areas. One of the things, uh, and this this sort of was in our plan, but um, the money that the, co the 
comes to the Commonwealth through uh, an, there's there, there's a there's a, a multinational excuse me a multi-state um, program out there called the Regional Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, and it, it's a way of raising money from um, coal-fired power plants. It's a carbon offset, and it's real money. And within the Commonwealth of Virginia, two hundred and twenty-eight million dollars has been raised through this Reggie fund and put in a um, an, an account in uh, Richmond. Half of that uh, goes to the um, Community Flood Preparedness Fund, which is a Virginia fund that that funds municipalities to do resilience work. That, that could be uh, coastline protection. It could be any number of things, but but focused on resilience uh, types of efforts. And our goal, that money doesn't come to us, but our goal is to help the companies uh, that we've funded get in the, the pathway for that funding to help communities get money from the, uh, attract money from the, um, the Flood Preparedness Fund and then have these new ideas that can make the, the dollars go further. And we've been able to do that in a couple of cases. And we want to do more of that uh, as we go along. So the, the money's not coming to us, uh, to, just to be clear, but we're helping dr direct the companies to the min municipalities who can then get that funding and it gets the bigger the bigger project. That's, that's one way. The other way is we're building a network of investors nationally and, and globally who uh, we can help our companies get ready to go out to them uh, to, to seek their next investment. Already, um, of our companies, um, six of them have raised uh, as part, partly partly due to us, but I would not say that it's all of the, the, the entire reason is because they're in our program, but because of the, the work that they've done with Rise, they've raised $32 million in, in additional investment. So, there's money out there. That there's there's money that uh, people are willing to put into this type of uh, work. As, as you say, it we want to do more of that, and we want to yeah. do it by demonstrating. We demonstrate here, and then help them get to both other cities because we're trying to build a city network uh, for our companies and investors. So we're trying to help them along along the way there. Well, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that our boy JKL is listening to the show. So if you if, Jason Calacanis, uh, guest, guest uh, 100. Uh, he, they recently, uh, him and his co-host Molly Wood, they just initiated uh, their climate syndicate. Um, and so every Sunday, uh, they release their podcast. Uh, Molly does an interview with uh, called "This Week in Climate Startups." Um, really fascinating stuff. So uh, I'm I'm eager to be part of that climate syndicate. But the challenge yeah. that they are that they're facing right now is uh, there's a lot more money than there are companies yeah. to fund. So uh, you know, here you've you've worked with 30 different companies. I totally intend to clip this part of the show and send it over to to Jason and Molly because this is. And I was telling Zach before when we were trying to coordinate getting you on the show that this is this is a real hidden gem, not only in Virginia, but throughout the United States. And uh, like I said, the market's really, really coming towards you. Uh, and you're, and I think that you're really well positioned to, for a yeah, lot of successes. We welcome, call me, my, my email address is around there, is, is on there somewhere. So yeah, we're, we're open. We're not, 
just trying to do our own little fiefdom here. We are open to spreading the spreading the joy, spreading the wealth. Uh, that's that's a measure of our of our success. So we're, uh, we're very interested in so with that. that. With that challenge in mind, it is and there not being a lot of companies to to pick from or to invest in. I mean, is there a reason? Is it just because uh, people historically haven't wanted to work on climate type of thing? Like, is is there a reason there? So a couple of things is we what we found is the first our first go around in the challenge um, was a bit of an uphill climb. We got some good companies. We also got uh, a, a lot of um, very 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 early stage ideas. But as we've built our our brand, if you will, of the challenge, more and more companies are are coming out now. They're at diff- they're all at different stages. Some are ready to go. Some are, 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 are folks who have already run a couple of businesses and they're, they're off and running, but some are not. Some are focused on the technology. They've got great ideas, but they need some help just to get to the, to the next stage if, in fact, that's what they want to do. Or if they want to just stay in the R&D, that's fine. We're not going to try and convince them. Otherwise, they've got to want to do it. So uh, it, 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 it's a number of different things. And really... The fact of it is for a small company to raise five, ten million dollars or twenty million dollars really changes the company and it changes the work environment. It, it changes a, a whole number of things. And not everyone is in uh, in the right frame of mind to do that. And, and so, you know, it's, it, it's a little bit of everything. But I think as you know, if we can get the word out that we start to get more and more companies and help some of those. Uh, in the situation like I was in some years ago, what would it take to really, you know, get this thing to to take off and and move ahead? Then I think every little bit helps. And um, there's there's enough savvy investors out there to to know how to get into all of this. And uh, so, so is yeah, that to Chris- say that those is that to say that those those some of these individuals are are good at their craft, but are not necessarily the business side of things? And so you need to have that. And so some of them, some of them, you know, our judges look at them and say, you need a CEO. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes the, the, the CEO at the time says, no, I'm, I'm the CEO. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a different conversation. So, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's, it's not, um, it's not a way that everyone wants to go. I mean, everyone wants to be Mark Zuckerberg, but that's a, that's a, that's a real hard pathway. You know, doesn't and, he have people run the company differently though? I mean, didn't Justin Timberlake take it over for a little bit? <laughs> well, I think that the other aspect of it too is when you have so, so you have Chris Saka, who is arguably one of the best angel investors ever, uh, be, between him and Jason. But uh, Chris, he retired and he's recently come out of retirement, uh, and he have, now has lower carbon capital that he has committed uh, himself to unf the planet. Um, I think, uh, and now Jason working with, with climate startups with Molly. So you, now you have these people that have, yeah. have helped grown hundreds yeah. and hundreds of companies created dozens and dozens of unicorns. So now they can work with these companies, teach them the fundamentals that they need. Yeah. They have the network, they have the resources, um, <clears throat> to really make some successful things. Yeah. And then you have like, I think, uh, Stripe, it was announced yesterday that they just committed, I mean, Stripe uh, as a credit card processing company, they just committed a hundred million dollars towards carbon capture, uh, carbon capture. 
So, I mean, there's a lot of players really starting to jump into this game right now. Um, It's pretty exciting. Yeah, so uh, we we definitely want to be a part of that whole process. And one of the things that we noticed was we we ran a challenge. One of the things we can do with our challenges, we try not to look for a specific solution, but sometimes we want a specific solution. And so we run a more focused challenge. It's a slightly different structure, but same idea. And we always noticed, and whenever I, as soon as I started working with uh, Kyle Spencer at the City of Zones office uh, some years ago, even before Rise, there was always a problem down here of uh, at a high tide events, maybe wind-driven tide events and heavy rain events, the sort of thing you get uh, between March and November down in our, in our area here. And the flooding starts to not look like the traditional elevation-based flood maps that everyone has and the flooding is you know especially with the heavy rainfalls you don't know where the flooding is going to be and if you're trying to get home from work or to work or whatever it can be a really confusing and in in some cases very dangerous uh, time to be out there trying to navigate from from a to b so one of the concepts that we we worked up with, uh, with with Kyle was this idea of um, tying in real-time flooding information, both from rain and tide and wind, uh, in with a route guidance app for drivers, like Waze. And we ran this. Uh, that's that's what the solution is that we wanted. We wanted uh, to uh, to help drivers be guided around flooding. And so we ran this challenge and put it out there. And we partnered with Waze and we partnered with. Uh, a number of other organizations and, and local organizations, the ports, Antara, CHQD, ODU, etc. And we found a solution. And the thing went live last November uh, within the city of Norfolk. And right now, uh, folks that pull up ways uh, um, and are driving around the city of Norfolk will have real-time flooding information on their on their app. So that was a way that we could direct. We want a solution to this problem. We didn't tell people how to do it but we knew what we wanted and and we got that and that's that's the first time Waze has been used in that way anywhere in the world and uh, you know we've we've had really good conversations and uh, a, a lot of good attention on this local area a as it being a great test bed because the city really had to help us out with a lot of stuff and b we can try new new things and we're we're trying to help the local community adapt to flooding so our next challenge, we want to ex- extend on that and try and address the, the big issues that affect us here and nationally and globally. And our next challenge is focused. It's not quite so sexy, but it, it's, uh, it's a big problem. Uh, we're focused on reducing flood insurance premiums and claims by 50%. Because right now it's very expensive, although the, the, some changes to the National Flood Insurance Program are, are trying to alleviate the difficulties, but for the low to moderate income folks, flood, flood insurance is expensive. And then on the other side, the number of claims and the amounts of the claims uh, are driving the, the National Flood Insurance Program coffers into the ground. They, they, they were basically over $20 billion in debt recently due to a number of different major events, but also just this sort of continual claims drive the number of claims down and drive the amount so we're putting that out there uh we're working with the insurance industry and we want to bring the 
the idea is here and do a demo pro program here. We're putting 500,000 up and we're trying to raise more money to do that. But we're, we're going to address the problem here. And we're, we're bringing in uh, groups from outside to come up with it. I don't know what the solutions are. I can sort of I, yeah. think, think of a few and I don't want to say them because if you do that, <laughs> that's all you get. Um, but I mean, there, there's a lot that can be done. Hmm. And, and we're, we're focused on that. We're going to launch that in the next month or two. And that one's going to run through the end of next year. You, you, you've mentioned that, is it the city of Norfolk? Is it, is it, is it the entire region? Is it a specific city uh, <clears throat> that, that's helping? But uh, I think historically, when you go to a government organization, you go to a, a specific municipality, they are really like uh, red flags, roadblocks. They make it really difficult uh, to to work with them. It, it, did something change? Like like what, what what has made this situation so appealing for these companies to be able to work in to, so that they can get the access that they need to? I think it's uh, you're solving their problem because we started with their problem. But you don't think that because they pitched it as a thing? Yeah, we, we, we go to them every year or we're constantly saying, look, what's your problem? And uh, we don't know how much water is in our storm or stormwater pipes or, or we don't know what's in our, you know, uh, we don't know what our stormwater system is doing at any particular time uh, for a given condition. Well, so we brought a company in that put sensors in the stormwater, uh, uh, they put uh, 40 sensors uh, in the stormwater uh, system and boom, here's what it's doing. And here's what happens in a storm event. And here's what happens in a, heavy rainfall event and this is what's happening and and some of your pipes are 50 percent full on a sunny day so we're solving their problem so you can you know we, we go back to them and say you told us you got this problem well here's here's a solution that we think i mean we, we check it out before we decide to fund the company but we bring in we bring in them solutions and I would think to add on that you're probably bringing them solutions that doesn't require like really really extensive infrastructure modernization yeah uh, yeah because that's sort of the the army corps type of project thing where we're not we're not that we're not the 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 new pump station or the the new stormwater pipe so we're helping helping you deal with what you got and so um it's it's sort of appealing that way there there is a cost to the the, the cities the municipalities to you know, to interact with the project, but that's, uh, we, we try and keep that to a minimum. Yeah. It's interesting to hear the, the sensor thing with, um, storm, um, storm water, storm drains. And I, I recall the city of Norfolk, uh, specifically, you know, talking about their storm drains and the water drains always backing up and you, and, and, and the flooding due to that, uh, being smaller, uh, in diameter, I guess, piping, um, and so to actually get answers like that saying, hey, you're at 50 percent, you know, and, and I guess this I, I'm interested in what, what was the solution in something like that? Uh, what was it just <laughs> repipe the city? Like, how, how, how do they take that information? Hey, there's sensors in here. You know what it is. Like, what, what do they do next? So I, I think I, I think it's it's awareness of uh, here's the situation now. Here's what's going to here's the, what the weather's going to be in two days and put two and two mm -hmm. together. And, and there's going to be a problem over here. And uh, you, know, you do only... normally know where all the stuff's going to happen, right? I mean, you know, those underpasses that are going to yeah. flood that people can jump into, like it's a, a deep enough swimming pool, then they land on a, uh, on a vehicle. 
I'm sure you guys have seen that. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. People think that they can float into those yeah. things. But, like, yeah. it is cool to hear something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do without digging it up and, and redoing the the, uh, the infrastructure. But it's an awareness, and it's um, maybe there, there are some things that the city can do in terms of pumping out some of the... Uh, uh, some of the storage areas that they have prior to a storm when they know that something's going to happen, sure. you know, so the, and it, and it so, could be a win, win, win. I mean, instead of like building multi-million dollar houses right on the water or businesses right on the water. I mean, it's okay if you put parks and running yeah. paths and biking paths so that when there is flooding, you know, that that's not going to wipe out buildings and houses and costs, millions well, of dollars to replace so so that's right and part of the the benefits of this storm sensor project has been that the uh the area near tidewater gardens in downtown norfolk is being redeveloped and the information that comes from these sensors which is which are distributed through that area has helped the designers in that redevelopment so they now know what is not working and what really what needs to be changed so there is a way that the city then can can take this information and say we got to redo we go do this differently or redo this or or as you say like get away from the hardscape that's one of the biggest problems in urban environments is all of the hardscape and then meaning impervious meaning ask meaning parking lots really yeah right, they need right. grass so that it'll run well, just as, as we were talking uh, before we pressed the record button, we were talking about Langley Air Force Base. And, Paul, you spent time there, and I spent time there. And it was just uh, – so pick a, a, nor, a nor'easter or a hurricane, and it was always like, okay, this part of the base was just wiped out because it's literally yeah. nine feet above sea level. And all we would do is just continue to pump money into the base and just repair what was damaged as opposed mm. to – we, we know it's just going to continue to happen over and over and over again. And so uh, that's almost like the definition of insanity, thinking that we would just repair this thing and then the same thing happens over and over and over again. Yeah, we got we got to do something different. Yeah, but there are ways to, you know, if 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 all you're doing is paving over it. Right. Yeah, you're going to have the same problem. But if, exactly. You know, uh, I'm really I mean, this doesn't sound very uh, quick or or, or 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 high tech, but, you know, trees and uh, grasslands, they're. Um, they're what can help out in uh, in uh, stormwater management. Plus, they, they improve the quality of life. Right. So, how do you how is climate defined? Because I I feel like it could be a lot of different things. Like when when Tim, you're talking about the billion dollars in active capital into climate, and, and Paul, just everything with rise. Like, how is climate um, defined in this in this setting in this industry? So we try and keep away from um, using any specific models or predictions. We know that um, we know that we flood locally, and we know that the severity and the the occurrences are increasing. But we don't really rely on uh, any one particular model or prediction or, or, or definition there, and. Um, we, what we're trying to focus on, I, I, I don't mean to dodge the question, but I, but we really don't, um, we don't look at all the different models. We we know roughly what the problem is and what all the other coastal communities are going to be facing. So we don't focus too much on that other than that it's it's an increasing, 
in it's a it's a threat that's increasing in severity and frequency. Yeah, and it, and it and all some of it so much of it ties in together. Uh, that I don't know. The whole thing's really really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I what one of the you know we, there are significant problems, and part of the climate thing is not directly associated, but we see it all the time is the level of plastics that we have everywhere, and uh, I mean. Obviously, the manufacture of those uh, contributes to um, uh, to pollution in, in many ways, but just the fact that you can't get rid of them, plus the fact that they're in our waterways, plus the fact that they block our stormwater system and they get in the way and they are unsightly and they're not going anywhere. I mean, there's there are a number of different different ways, and 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 litter is a it's a resilience problem because floatables, meaning plastic. Uh, bottles uh, and containers uh, gum up the stormwater system like nothing on it, like like nothing else. They're big, they float, and they get stuck. And plastics are are, are everywhere. So that's climate too. I yeah, save the turtles, please. <laughs> well, it's interesting, just in the sense of like yeah. from an engineering standpoint, uh, plastic was was over engineered in the sense of it doesn't it, it, it doesn't biodegrade at all. It's just it mm-hmm. takes for ever and yeah. uh, i know that our family we really really try to limit uh the, the amount of single-use plastics that we use in in our home i mean it's just uh yeah. to your point paul i mean it just yeah it just hangs around forever and ever and, and zach i mean like just even looking at a lot of people focus on sea level rise with uh the polar ice caps melting however uh, a new study that was just that just started was about all the methane gas that is being released into the atmosphere because once those ice caps melt, uh, all that biodegradation of the plants and everything that has just been trapped under there for thousands and thousands, if not millions of years, and then when the ice melts, all that methane gas is being pumped into the air and is uh, also a big so, impact on the climate. So let I would I would turn that around a little bit because we could easily drive ourselves into complete depression at this point. But, <laughs> but I, I go back to, you know, you, you, look, you look back in time and, and uh, you know, humans adapt. You know, they, they, they really do it. I, whether that's a good thing or not, I, you know, that, that remains to be seen. But there, there's a story about Chicago back in the turn of the century, which was overrun by horses. Because horses were with the, the form of transportation, and they were it was overrun by horse waste everywhere in basements, in piles, everywhere. Health hazard, quality of life hazard, big problem. And then in ten or fifteen years, that all went away. And the reason for that was the internal combustion engine, and all of that horse waste, all of the horse problem went away now now we're talking about the internal uh, combustion <laughs> engine so i i don't have the answer but humans have really um in many ways they figure out how to adapt when they have mm-hmm. to and so and i you know ask my kids of, of, about this they go well someone's going to come up with something <laughs> and so yeah 
uh, I, and I hope they do. And um, I hope I can invest. Seems in like them. they always do. Yeah, well, but, and I think that you know, that would be one of the positive things about uh, the position you're in. I mean, and, yeah. and I know I love entrepreneurship because I love the optimism. I love yeah. uh, the ingenuity, the, the different ideas that people come up with in order to change the world in their own uh, specific way. And uh, to, to run a program like yours, I mean, wow. I mean, talk about making an impact. That's uh, That would be really, really cool to to hear, listen, and, and learn about what the different things people are doing. You, you know, you're, you're, you're right, Tim. And, and the fact is, and one of the things I learned is, with my company is you cannot be an entrepreneur. You cannot try and build a, a company on an idea and be a pessimist. You don't have that luxury. And so these, all of these people are, all, all the people in the, the companies we fund and, and that we talk to, they all are optimists. They all say, you know, yeah, this is a problem. But, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take the uh, the material that has all this nitrogen and phosphorus in there and we're going to seal it in there and build an oyster reef or a living shoreline or something like that. We're going to sequ- So the carbon is sequestered. And so these, these are people who are uh, optimists. Is that something that you can questionnaire about like how do you how do you figure that out because i agree with you right but how, like how do you pull that out of someone to to figure out are, are they a pessimist or a, an optimist in something like well, that? well you don't have to other than read their business plan or work plan if their business plan says well we're never going to solve this and we'll be out of business by the end of the week <laughs> gonna, okay so is that it. saying worrying about your competition then um no, because oftentimes they have, a, they say, here's our competition and this is why we're going to be better, which again is optimism. Now, we, we have all seen the over-optimistic business plan. We all have. Of course. And, and, and we know what they look like. But fundamentally, I don't know how you write a business plan or, or, or build a company and attract people to work there and move ahead if you, if you let yourself have the luxury of being a pessimist. Yeah. And, that, and I think that, that kill a company. I agree. And I think that in terms of like with me, with the different founders that I work with, you know, one of the things that I want to know right off the bat is what is your why? Yeah. Uh, and if you yeah. have a true understanding of what your why is, then you know, that's what's going to get you out of bed in the morning when you're going through a dark time. Uh, and I always tell everybody that, uh, that that if you're wise because you hope to make a ton of money someday, then that's not the answer. Right. I mean, uh, yeah. you're not going to raise money uh at, at the hopes of being able to make a lot of money because as soon as times get really, really difficult, you're going to give up on that why and you're going to find a new why and, and yeah. try some other venture. But I, but I think, Zach, to your point, uh, I, I didn't mean to be flip on it, but, uh, you know. Please be flip. <laughs> think, thinking about it, the, the sector we're in is all about optimism. It's all about there's a, there's a problem out there. This is how we fix it and, and make it better. Not all sectors are like that. So is you that, know? so is that the key thing then is this is how we're going to do it? Because uh, I think I even tweeted that this, this, this morning about Kevin Costner and just like the whole field of dreams effect where that, yeah. that aspect of business where people like, like I'm going to build it and it's just going to magically be successful, get in front of those things. It's like, you have to know that path to some extent, like where, where, where's the, I, I, Where's I think, the avenue on that? I think it's understanding what the problem is and how much the problem is costing someone. And, you know, mm-hmm. that 
because then you can then you can start to put some numbers behind this and you can say this is like uh, for example there's um virginia actually really is um quite far ahead of most of other states in, in many areas one of them is the the coastal resilience master plan that was being developed over the past years and what what the state what the commonwealth should do in terms of to make itself more resilient that was a, a, a great piece of work that was that was done and still being used but they also have things like um, the uh, other part of the Chesapeake Bay um, nutrition uh, nutrient credit program which is a way that you can be reimbursed by credits by removing nitrogen and phosphorus, which is running off the land into the Chesapeake Bay, if you figure out a way to remove, and that causes algae blooms and all other sorts of stuff, which is a problem. But through programs like that, you can then uh, generate credits from removing the nitrogen and phosphorus from the, from the bay and sell the credits somewhere else. And there's real money in that. You know, there's not some, some Ponzi scheme but there's the, that really is a way that you can make uh, a difference in cleaning up the bay and and raising millions of dollars. Yeah, I mean, and, and to Zach's point in terms of the whole build it and they will come kind of thing, and then what you're talking about. One of the things that I, I've always scratched my head about is we all want to create there. There's all these sectors, you know, in terms of if you want a, a Go Virginia grant, then you need to be addressing a certain sector. And and the thing that as I'm listening to all this, I'm like. My gosh, we're we're in an area right now where we can really prove to be a world leader in terms of yeah. climate, how to mitigate floods. I mean, I think what New Orleans is the old we're number two to New Orleans in terms of uh, flooding and uh, in, in storm resilience of some kind. Sea with sea level rise, whatever the case is, we're, we're, and it's just like they're lower. They're lower than us by yeah. like eight feet or something. Yeah. But I mean, it's just like in terms of like a sector and an opportunity for us to really take advantage of. I mean, we don't have to build anything where yeah. whether if we like it or not, we're here and, and yeah. we've got to address it so we can be a world leader. Uh, we'll address that. it or be underwater, I guess. Right. But you know what? Interestingly, I've traveled to a number of cities, large and small, up and down the East Coast. And and I hear from uh, a lot of them that they are the most exposed city on the east coast but that's okay that just makes like a a, a good market you know we come sure. up with solutions here there's there's other people out there who, who who need the help and and it should make sense for them to uh, to adopt it why well, hear problem and i think of you know that's an opportunity to to pounce on you know yeah, it's like if, absolutely if that's something that i'm in love with and i want to fix it and i feel like i have the skill set to fix it or 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 the want to to fix it like I'm not going to complain about it. Like I'm going to jump on board with that, you know? And, yeah. I, and I think that's right. what, that's what kind of uh, jump started my career into kind of business. It was like, Whoa, I like this. Like, let's, let's, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so we want, um, that's, we want to own this. This region is, is threatened. We want to own it and we want to own it by being the, sort of the ground floor for these new ideas and to demonstrate and then to, to go off and, and go to bigger and bigger markets while, growing a community here that knows knows how to uh, develop these new ideas. What's the biggest challenge that you face to take that next step to be the most notable? Um, so, you know, as a nonprofit, we can't really uh, 
take advantage of the commercial success of the companies and other than just to be repaid back from their revenues. So, um, you know, funding to keep us going, doing more of, of, of what we're doing is, is really the, the biggest challenge. Uh, we've got a model that works. Um, we've got a community out there that are coming to us um, and we want to uh, keep, keep doing this. So it, it, it comes down to keeping the organization uh, going. In terms of uh, developing talent, that I mean, that's just always a struggle for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Is the companies that you're working with, is, is there a talent shortage? I mean, because this is so much of this is so some of them who are locating here uh, have trouble finding the workforce that they need. And so we're, we're trying to understand that better and to engage uh, the local communities in, in understanding what that should be. We can only do so much in attracting the companies here in, in, in what we do. At some point, we have to hand it over. And the folks at the Hampton Roads Alliance have been really helpful. The economic development folks at the cities, really helpful in uh, we, we can just tie the people to the cities and then they can say, this is what we need. We can't go out there and find them space, but there, there's people locally who can. So it's space, it's workforce, um, and that, that really are some of the biggest challenges to companies coming here. So it's a, it's a continual struggle for us, but uh, we've got, we got help. We've got support locally with that. How, how does... In the, in the same question that Tim asked, going to cities, going to organizations that know that it's a problem, you admitting that it's a problem and hear, you know, hearing that, you know, work shortage, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, uh, just talent, talent gap or, or not having the talent. I, I mean, what directly are they doing to fix it other than just saying we support this, we want to fix it? Because, I mean, it's it's. Yeah, it's a I, problem. I, I mean, the, the whole rise business was built off of problems because talking to the city of Norfolk, yeah. like, like what's being done? Because if people don't want to build that thing in this area, you know, you, like you yeah. said, you know, you give a company 300 grand who's in Seattle, they don't want to move, you know, like yeah. what, what do you do to actually attract those people to, to do that? Or do you just not worry about where they're from and, and you build it? No, I, I, I think you, it does concern me, um, and I, 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 I'm just not sort of of the constitution to say it's not my problem because it is my problem. But well, it's not. I, I, will... I don't know what what I can, what we can do yeah. other than just involve the city economic development. Sure, sure. And it's I a good question, over... Zach. Yeah. No, I and just think time... that like over the years, sorry, Tim. No, over time, I mean, so you you have four years under your belt. You're you're in your fourth year right now, and 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 you're almost uh, going through the entrepreneurial journey yourself in this yeah. sense of yeah. you just got to continue to focus on your mission, yeah. continue to solve the problem, and over time you're going to become that center of excellence or whatever you want to call it. And then you know, so you're building that density, and it's just going to take a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort. And just like with most startups, they fail because they run out of energy, not because yeah. uh, they run out of anything else. And we all have to work together and create it and make this the location for, yeah. for rise. No, and you know, I, I remember saying this a long time ago, we don't push the word water enough, right? The core of this region is around water, right? And so whether that being the military, whether that being the ports, 
whether that being tourism, whether that being the growing microbrewery scene, and then even uh, just just climate in general, like water is the thing. And so it's 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 not surprising to me that this has seen success because it's around water, this thing that we just yeah. naturally have. You know, yeah. in this case, the, the natural aspect of it is a negative or there, there's a problem behind it. There's a challenge behind it. That is an opportunity to to succeed upon, to to fix and to solve. And so it's not surprising to me that water is working, you know, in, in this yeah. world, because that that's what it is, you know, to Tim's yeah. point, like it's there like <laughs> there's a problem like like let's go yeah and, and i think that the um the the changes over the past two years of covid have changed the way that people work and i think you know if you can live down in this area and get a salary a new york salary or a, a washington dc salary good for you oh i you know I mean, that's 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 very attractive well, and not have uh, to have a one-bedroom apartment in New York City with fourteen hundred people, you know, like yeah. <laughs> with five thousand dollars surrounded. I mean, we were complaining about jet noise. That that noise in a place like New York City, where you got a one-bedroom studio, the noise never stops. Yeah. No, that's not true. I, jet noise has got to be worse. <laughs> What's something we haven't talked about that you want to talk about, Paul? I think we've uh, uh, we. I think we covered we covered pretty much everything I can think of, but just we are completely collaborative. So I want to hear from anyone. There's no dumb idea. If if, if people want to be part of our process, um, whatever that is, if they want to bring some of our company's capabilities to their region, or if they have a company and they want to know how they can qualify for our money, to reach out. This is. We're, we're not building a fiefdom here. We're all about um, involving as many people as possible, as many uh, communities as possible. So it, it, it's uh, it's an open door. And that's what we've really been trying to, to work on and build over the past few years. I dig it. Yeah, me too. I, I wish you... But thank you for the opportunity. This is no, it, absolutely. great to talk I, to you guys about this. Really wish you continued success and uh, really whatever I can do to help you, uh, you can count me in. And I mean, this is just something that's, that's, that's near and dear to my heart. Um, so happy to help any way I can. Thank you. Well, I'll take you up on that. Perfect. So long. Thank, thank you, Zach. See ya. So cheers. <laughs>